0: Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. This is your host, Dalton Dismore, and this is The Faith Prospect. It is a great day in Texas, and you know, I hope it is a great day wherever you are. This past week, you know, it was frozen here in Texas and God saw fit to open up a path for me to go to Florida. And you know what? I took it. So uh, last week I got to escape Snowmageddon and I was in sunny Florida at a conference in Rashidi Collins Church. It was amazing. Kids ministers conference, the Lord moved and... <laughs> It was above sixty degrees. you know there's those weeks there's those there's times in in your life where God just seems to be opening up stuff. you know he seems to be opening up doors. he seems to be blessing your life just without cause. and you know it's last week was one of those weeks for me. you know I remember one, I got to leave Texas when it go when it got frozen which happens like once every 20 years. And so the fact that I was able to escape was a blessing in itself. And then, so I get on the plane, they upgr- they upgraded me to first class. So now I'm in first class and I get to Florida and I get to the, it's like one in the morning, I get up to the rental car place and I'm supposed to have, you know, some Ford Focus, Honda Civic, Fusion, economy car, you know, nothing nothing wrong, but you know, it's likely gonna be driven a lot before you get it. And so, you know, I'm just like, okay, cool, ready for it. And the lady looks at me and she's like, Do you want a Mustang? And I look back at her and I'm like, does it cost more? She says, Not tonight it doesn't. And man, I got a brand spanking new Mustang to drive around while I was in Florida. God was just blessing. And the the whole week was wonderful. You know, I met new people. I got in contact with ministers and more. the most importantly, God just spoke into my life at this kids ministers conference. Brother Kinsey actually preached on Friday night and he said something that I think is just so important. You know, he... His message was lessons he's learned from uh, giant killers in his life. And one of these lessons came from T W Barnes. Now you may recognize that name cause you've known it before you've ever heard this podcast, but you, you may also recognize it from our trailer episode where I talked about T W Barnes and he knew this man and, and T W Barnes told him that you can't just wait on the victory. You have to find joy in the battle. And that thought, that, that idea, I was like, man, wow. Cause you know, so often we're just, we're just waiting on on God to come through and we're not finding joy in the grind, joy in, in, in the everyday battle of life. And you know, I, I took it down. It was a good, it was a good note and it impacted me in the moment. But then I got back to Dallas on Monday and, you know, I it was a, it was a bit of a day at the office, you know, it, it from a week of, of blessings and a week of everything going right. And Monday morning, you know, I, I get into the office and, and I've made a mistake. And, you know, now a, coming off a week that was just wonderful and it, it just felt easy. And now the first day back is, is a grind and it's a battle and <laughs> I wasn't enjoying it too much, you know, and we have those days. But then pastor had a meeting with us uh, as a staff and he said the same thing that brother Kinsey said. As one of his points, when he was teaching us, he said, you can't just wait on the victory. You have to find joy in the battle. And man, Monday was a battle. And so I, I started looking for things to have joy in. And I started finding ways to have joy in that battle. So today I just, I just want to encourage you. If it if, if today is, is one of those days where everything's going right, then I'm happy for you. I, I really, I hope it continues. I hope God blesses you even more today. But if today, is one of those days where it's a battle. Find joy in it somewhere. Find joy in it. Now, today we have a wonderful guest. He uh, was also a former instructor of mine at Urshan. I met so many amazing people there, and he actually has a podcast of his own. And I and I'm, I talk about that here in the very beginning of this interview. But Brother Portress is an amazing man, and. He has a wealth of knowledge from the mission field, and, and now he's an instructor, not just at Urshan, but, but at different places all over the world. So what he has to say, his life story, ugh, it's phenomenal. So without further ado, let's get into it. So today we have with us uh, brother, brother Poitras, and uh, we, well, I went to Urshan, and he taught me. So it was a great time in my life. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful man of God. And in fact, I, I believe you have your own podcast, don't you? I do. The Poetress Ponderings podcast. Poetress
1: Ponderings. And what do you do there? We pause, we ponder, we project, talk about all kinds of different topics, sometimes a devotional type of thing, sometimes interviews, sometimes based on books that I read, or we also involve other members of my family and other friends that we have. Awesome. Awesome. So if you are listening to this, go check out Poetress Ponderings
0: when you're done listening to this, because it's it's pretty good. Thank it's you so good. much for the promo. Man, so now... you. I have to get it on recording. You said before this that you were I was your favorite student.
1: Well, uh, we can <laughs> talk about that later. You know, I, have, I say don't that. have any favorite student. <laughs> <laughs> oh, So how, how long have you been teaching at Urshan? I think I've been teaching at Urshan off and on since 2016. And then 28 years teaching in Bible colleges overseas, Uh, before that, which, by the way, is quite different between the two. What's the difference? Uh, I think that one of the major differences with teaching presently is that I'm dealing with a North American classroom, so there's that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those students in my classroom are usually millennials, so there's that, or Generation Z, which I'm sure that we have the same age groups around the world, but not the same type of thinking I think also with the current teaching that I do as an adjunct faculty member, uh, there are a variety of programs that are going on. Most of the overseas Bible schools are pretty well, you know, they are ministerial training schools or pastoral training schools. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's the major difference. Okay.
0: Okay. So usually we start out here and we, um, I ask, you know, I, I want to know, how did,
1: you, how, how did you get into church? Very good. I grew up in a denominal church. Okay. Uh, when I was 18, I went on to the University of New Brunswick in New Brunswick, Canada. I was in my second year of university there. I worked for a department store to go ahead and put myself through school Uh, In the department store, there was a young lady that worked for me that I was interested in. I asked her out on a date. Mm. It was on a Saturday night. She told me that that wasn't going to be possible, uh, (laughs) that she was going to church. And I thought, well, I've been to church before. That's not any problem. (laughs) I'd been to several different types of churches. I'd been to crusades before. I'd signed my name on the dotted line to accept the Lord as my personal Savior before that time. Uh, So I thought... Yeah, I'll just go to church with her. Well, that Sunday night was a tremendous awakening for me uh-huh. in so many ways. One of the things I knew immediately that I wouldn't be dating that particular individual, <laughs> uh, but came into the church probably about 41 years ago uh, in the month of September. Wow. And uh, yeah. Is that the night you got the Holy Ghost? I don't think that I received the Holy Ghost that night. Uh, I did respond to the altar call, uh, did receive the Holy Ghost, probably was baptized within the first couple of weeks of being in the church and received the Holy Ghost after that.
0: Wow. And so how old were you at this point? I was 19. Wow. And uh, so you're 19. You just came into this, you know, you've been to church, but different experience. What do you do next?
1: Well, I think... The immediate thing that I remember dealing with, first of all, was my family. Uh So I had no understanding of the Pentecostal movement, apostolic movement, the United Pentecostal Church. They had more of an understanding than I did. So the first thing I remember happening was that they said that they really didn't uh, want an apostolic. They didn't want a holy roller in their home. Wow. Uh, So I stayed at school, didn't call home, didn't Hmm. go home. Didn't write home. Uh, one day, my mother called and said, "Why haven't you been home?" And she and I said, "Well, you said you didn't want a holy roller in your home. This is not a phase, a fad that I'm going through. I'm in this for the long haul, mm-hmm. and I'm not changing." She said, "Well, you can come home, but don't bring any of the rest of them here." Uh, so that's the first thing I remember dealing with. Uh, the second thing would be that I lived in the city where there was a United Pentecostal Bible college in my city and in those days there was a lot of pressure to go ahead and go to the Bible school. Uh, rather than go to a secular school, a lot of young people went into secular education and they'd moved to the city where the school was at and um, they'd lose out with God. So there was this concern uh, to go ahead and continue my education at the Bible school Uh, I went ahead and finished university. I'm glad that I did, and then also went on to Bible school after that. Okay. So was your
0: relationship with your family, did did it get better, stay the same, get worse throughout this time?
1: I think it got better. Okay. As far as their acceptance of me uh, being a Pentecostal or being an apostolic, I think it got better although I think that they would have been okay with me being just about anything else but a Pentecostal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did they ever come to church?
1: They would come when I would be in town. Uh, they went through uh, some growth steps. First of all, they didn't want to have anything to do with the church. Uh, then they would say, well, I go to that church, but there are too many hypocrites there. And... Uh, Then, like, if I went to any church, I'd go to that church, and that's about as far as it went. Gotcha. So where'd you get your start in ministry? That is a very good question. I got my start in ministry through working with children's ministry in the local church. Really? And also working with Bible quizzing. Uh, I was in the church for about three or three and a half years when I went on the AIM program, which which is a short term missions program. Uh, so that happened relatively quickly. But yeah, working with children, um, some of the some of the people that you may know of today, like if you know of uh, Sister Gaddy, yeah, uh, she was one of the children in our local church that wow. received the Holy Ghost as part of our children's ministry. Uh, Brad Thompson, the missionary to Guatemala. By the way, the young lady that I was interested is a missionary of the United Pentecostal Church today. Her name is Lynn Jewett. So she's been very faithful to being a missionary through the years in Guatemala. Uh, Also responsible for Home International in Guatemala there. And this was the one that
0: you went to church for? Yes.
1: (laughs) The spirit was drawing me, uh, Dalton. Drawing me. It was just using her it it into that man. life tabernacle. <laughs> using her.
0: Yeah. Oh man. So, uh, I. I mean, you know, as you know, I'm in children's ministry, and I'm a quiz coach. So Good. that's that's cool. That uh, this is my, you know, my after Bible college, my first job is in in ministry. And it's the same. So that's that's kind of cool. I didn't know that.
1: Well, I would throw in here that when you look at the the nations around the world yeah. and the development of the church worldwide, I think that if you can minister in a Sunday school classroom, you can minister in just about any nation of the world. So it's a really good place to start, not to mention that children would be the largest unreached people group around the world as well. You know, I... I have become believers
0: of both of those. I I used to hear, you know, growing up in church and, um, you know, obviously with ministerial aspirations, people talk about being, if you can minister to kids, you can minister to to pretty much everyone. And I was like, oh, you know, that's cool and everything. Now, being in in it, Mm -hmm. I realize how true that statement is. And I also realize how overlooked children's ministry is.
1: I like to think that the true test of intelligence isn't how that you can take something that is simple and make it complex, hmm. but the true test of intelligence would be taking something that is complex and making it as simple as possible. Yeah. Even the Apostle Paul said, because we have such great hope, we can use plainness of speech and uh, you can really develop that vernacular or language dealing with children. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know um,
0: if you've ever looked into him much. I'm sure you have, but uh, this past year as I've been in ministry, kids ministry, I've really started looking at Mister Rogers. Mm-hmm. And what people always said about him right. was that he he showed every child the respect he would show an adult, but he showed every he, he when he talked to adults, he always talked to them with the simplicity he would talk to a child. And that's just how he was. He learned from kids
1: how to just talk simply. But, well, even as a writer, uh, if you do studies on writing, uh, Reader's Digest is probably written for about a 12-year-old as far as reading comprehension is concerned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Microsoft Word, other programs can actually check to, to see what type of readability level that you're at. And uh, through the years, even his writing, I tried to go ahead and make sure that I'm at that particular level because it really does fit. And I heard, although I haven't fully documented or researched, but I heard that just about every major revival in the history of the church started with young people, started with children. Wow. Or there were elements of involvement of children yeah. in those revivals. Man. Mm. So...
0: Kind of backtracking a little bit, you know, you, you coming to church, you coming to church for, for a girl, mm-hmm. you know, you that's what, that's why you came to church. You don't end up dating her. Who did you end up dating? Well, oh, let me uh, clarify, let me clarify. Cause that could be a broad question. Who did you end up marrying?
1: Okay. I ended up marrying sister Linda Ravel Poitras. So she was on the AIM program as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came from Southern Alabama. I came from, or come from Brunswick, Canada uh, so we met on the mission field. Wow. Uh, she, by the way, is also involved in children's ministry globally. And That's cool. She was involved regionally, also involved in our local church here at New Life with our Sunday School program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how did that
1: happen? Meeting her? Yeah. Well... Uh, She always does such a better job at this whole love story than I think that I do. (laughs) But I was always interested in Africa, went to Nigeria Mm. on the AIM program. She was the first short-term missionary that we had within the United Pentecostal Church, one of the first two that we had. Uh, So I came along somewhere after that. Started corresponding with her. Of course, the missionaries were trying to encourage me to correspond with her. (laughs) Started corresponding with her. Met her on the field. Mm -hmm. uh, Developed a friendship there because within our programs, we don't do dating on the mission mission field. Uh, And, yeah, started there. Took her back to the state of Alabama. Married her there. (laughs) She took me back to the mission field three weeks later and we <laughs> stayed 26 or 27 years after that. Both of the children that we have, our girls were uh, born in Alabama, taken back to Africa with like probably after six weeks after they were born. Wow.
0: So where first, at in Africa where y'all, y'all
1: at? First in Nigeria and then in Ghana, which both of those countries are in West Africa and then kind of branched out from there uh, because of the... What we call Africa Aflame, which became Vision for Africa Ministries, uh, which deals with the different, let's call them the parachurch ministries uh, Mm. in the Africa region. Also developed uh, extensively the Bible school program there, which eventually grew to what is now called the Global Association of Theological Studies. Okay. So we have about 550. Uh, Five hundred and fifty something Bible schools overseas. Wow, which I'm presently responsible for in some way.
0: Okay, okay. So, uh, how did you get called to Africa, or how did you? How and I know I know how you ended up there, but how do you know that? How did you know that that was the right move?
1: That is a good question because I think with the call, it was uh, something that I experienced that never gave up. Hmm. Uh, Every time I go to the altar, I would, you know, re-experience that. Uh, I knew that the Lord was calling me. And I think that the short-term missions programs allow you to go ahead and receive God's call and then try the Spirit to see whether it's really of God. So Hmm. uh, the Lord speaks to you. You go ahead and make that step, that next right step to do what you think he's calling you to to do. Uh, and then history kind of proves itself from there. Yeah. So, what did y'all do in Africa? Uh, always involved with Bible school work. Mm. Started out in Bible school work, uh, teaching Bible school, leading Bible school. Uh, was youth president at one point, and mm. you know all those other positions that come along. Youth president vice presidents of countries, superintendent of countries, mm. uh, things like that. The, the steady thing has always been Africa and also involvement with Bible colleges.
0: Okay. What, um, well, what's the biggest differences between Africa and United States? And I know that that's big, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big question, but.
1: Well, Africa, as you know, is a continent, yeah. so you're dealing with, I'm not sure exactly, but my guess is 52, 55 countries, somewhere along there. Uh, As the church is set up, not all of the countries in Africa are actually part of what we call the Africa region. There's about five of them that are part of Europe and the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have a full assortment of climates, cultures, languages, thousands of languages, Uh, So the area that we were involved with, which was West Africa, I think the major difference, one of the major differences that come quickly to mind today, because it's about 33 degrees Fahrenheit here, is that, um, yeah, you're dealing with temperatures 80 to 100 there. Hot and very hot are the seasons. (laughs) Wet and dry are the seasons. And... uh, Yeah, here you have the Four Seasons, and it's a little bit cold today. So that's the thing that comes quickly into mind. Okay. What about the differences in churches? Uh, The churches, well, the spirit is the same Mm -hmm. anywhere you go in the world, so there's that. Uh, The churches in Nigeria and in Ghana would be uh, a little bit more active than our churches here as far as... Their style of worship, dancing, Mm. line dancing, uh, things like that, very loud. Mm. Church services are very loud. Most of the time, depending on where you're at, church services can be very long. So we have the advantage here that we don't really, hopefully we don't take church services for three to six hours. Wow. Three to six hours? Could be, depending on where you're at. Man, that's you know, just choose the 1 hour and a half that you want to go to and <laughs> should work.
0: Man, I've I've been in some I, I I think probably the longest service I've been in was 4 hours. Mm-hmm. And but that was a rare occasion. So the <laughs> the thought of a, a consistently going to 3 to 6 hours that that'd be tough.
1: I think that m- most of the time it would be mm, 3 hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, But you also have to keep in mind that in those locations that most of the time they're combining all of the services of the week into the one. Uh, So I think that does make a difference.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So over there,
0: I mean, I imagine you saw a lot of cool, I imagine you saw God do a lot of cool things in, in your ministry and in ministry of others. Can you talk about some of those?
1: I was thinking about that today. I was thinking about my conversion to God, yeah. Coming into the church, we came from a very poor family, a very troubled background, and I actually went to university because I wanted to escape that particular background, and I thought that uh, going to a school of higher learning would rescue me from the circumstances that I had found myself in, and in reality, it did. But it wasn't necessarily because of the university education, but when I came to God, then I could see, looking back, that redemptive lift came into play, that when you come to God, not only does he take you out of that horrible pit and put you on that firm foundation, that solid rock, but everything changes. Life totally changes. Yeah. And I know that it's kind of cliche when we say that, Uh, My worst day with Jesus is better than my best day in the world, but that's the way it actually is. So when I think about faith around the world, I kind of think in those terms that the Lord, through faith, that this whole redemptive thing takes place and that you can actually work with nations and with churches where it's almost like the the Valley of Dry Bones that Ezekiel spoke Mm -hmm. about, and you can literally see that change, and that takes faith for that to happen. Uh, Faith, when you go to a crusade in Ethiopia and... Ten twenty thousand people receive the Holy Ghost or wow uh, and every soul counts obviously that's true that every soul counts and one soul lost is one soul too many mm-hmm. but uh, you go to church on a Sunday and you give an altar call and 30 people can come to the altar and they all receive the Holy Ghost right there or you there were circ- situations where uh, one of our aimers and missionaries, I went to a church and there was a a large lump, uh, almost like a ball, on someone's, uh, a a lady's throat here. And they laid hands on her and then they watched as it just totally disappeared. Mm. Uh, Or that you're in the classroom and someone doesn't really understand the truth, maybe doesn't understand the oneness, maybe doesn't understand baptism in Jesus' name, and you're teaching, and all of a sudden you just see that light that comes on. I think that faith is at work with that as well. I think that as you move around the world, that it's uh, that we want to see this balance between a declaration of the Word of God and a demonstration of His Spirit. It's not either or. Both of those things should take place, that there should be... A truth encounter where we're preaching the truth, but also realize that uh, the Lord will confirm His word with signs following. That that's what should happen. That there should be that uh, proclamation of the gospel and that demonstration of that of the Spirit. And that is when you know that is where the evangelism encounters really take place. It's not well. I'm just going to go ahead and preach the word for the next three hours uh, <laughs> that there's that both of those things are, are happening there and that yep. you see faith increase as a result man man so
0: <sighs> trying to add, think about the best way to ask this question no uh, well, let me just go and say it what's the what's the coolest thing you've seen God do through your ministry
1: I think that one of the coolest things that I've seen is that, you know, to walk into a nation where there has been a disruption in the church. And uh, I remember dealing with the Ghanaian church that uh, someone described it. It was almost like a tree that was two-thirds grown and it was tilted over uh, because they had moved away from some of the, you know, the evangelistic fervor or some of the things that they had once done and believed in, yeah. And then just to kind of see that straighten up, hmm. or yeah, to go ahead and see the change in someone's life, and again, the whole thing about redemptive lift that. Uh, God doesn't leave you where you were at. He lifts you up. He straightens things up. He makes a big, uh, a big change. Or uh, maybe like we had a program called Portable Bible Schools International, and we had maybe a 1, 1,500 students across the country that I was in. And we would it was a uh, it was a program that was designed not only to train local church members but also to train like ministers from other organizations and to be in a be in a setting like that where truth is being explained to someone to a group of people and then for you to say uh, are you here without the baptism of the holy ghost just come and stand here and maybe even 10 15 preachers from other non-Pentecostal organizations come and stand there, and God filled them all with the Holy Ghost within mm. a matter of a few minutes, because I think He was, yeah, confirming His Word with signs. Following, He was giving them the sign that what has been preached to you, uh, it's truth. It will change your life, and you know I'm going to give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost as well. Mm.
0: So I had a question just pop into my mind, and I don't know. It's kind of off. It's 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 on the same topic, but it's kind of out of left field. Okay. But bear with me. Um, have you ever encountered evil when in your ministry throughout Africa or even over here?
1: I think that that is an extremely good question, and the answer definitely would be yes. What did it look like? Uh, First of all, here in North America, I think that evil tends to be so disguised that we don't actually realize that we're in spiritual warfare. Yeah. And that for you and me as ministers of the gospel, as saints of God, as apostolics, we are in a constant spiritual battle. And for some reason, it seems like that we... Underplay that when it comes to the North American church. Yeah. Uh, and that the scriptures, you know, it's not, well, you're going to have a spiritual battle on the 15th of February. <laughs> no, let's make it the 14th of February since that's Valentine's Day. That's going to be a spiritual battle for you. No, every day there are elements of spiritual battle that are taking place. And uh, on the mission field, the you know, the elements of spiritual battle could come into play with blatant demon possession manifesting in a crusade service, so there's that. Uh, or yeah, I, re- I remember, let me just give you a story of something that took place. There was a young lady that came to the Bible school in Nigeria, and uh, her name was Grace. And one day I was in my office and I heard all of this racket going on. So I rushed down to the classroom where the noise was coming from. And there's a group of students and they were gathered around Grace. And uh, she was manifesting uh, demon possession, elements of demon possession. And they were trying to hold her down, you know, cast out the devil (laughs) And it was a very good learning experience for me because the senior missionary that I was working with also came into the room, and uh, he said to them, let her go. Yeah. And they were shocked, like, you want us to let her go? You know, she's demon-possessed. He said, let her go. Uh, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're coming against principalities and powers. And he said to her, what is your name? And the young lady responded, Uh, my name is Grace. He said, Grace, I want you to get up, and I want you to sit in the chair right here because I want to talk to you. And uh, she got up. She sat in the chair. She had a head covering on. I can still kind of picture it. She kind of covered her head, and the missionary started speaking to her and said, Grace, uh, talked about demon possession. She confessed to some certain things, some activities that she was involved with. And he said, Grace, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and pray. Hmm. We're going to repent. We're going to ask God to forgive us of these things. Then you're going to go ahead and lift your hands, and you are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence, initial evidence of speaking with other tongues right here. Wow. So they started. The two of them prayed together. Grace was praying. All of a sudden, he said, Grace, I want you to lift up your hands. She lifted up her hands, and she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost right there. That's amazing. Uh, She went on to be uh, the wife of a vet, a veterinarian in one of the cities there. So it's an example to me of evil, spiritual warfare. Obviously, there are territorial spirits that you deal with that you can identify in particular countries that you're in. Uh, You know when you're being attacked. Uh, There were times that I felt like that my health was being attacked. And, yeah, there was a particular time in Nigeria where I would have such a problem with um, itching, and I'd go ahead and stretch up my arm, and my skin would break all the way down. And uh, the missionary said, you know what, you're going to have to go back to North America and really get all that checked out. And, yeah, that night, the Lord took care of that. I never did come back to the States. Really? They took care of that. Uh, Were you praying? Like- yes. But, I, I don't know, it just seemed like that, it just came to that decision point. Like, are you going to let this? Are you going to let the devil win here? <laughs> and I made up my mind, I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And, uh Yeah. I think that even going to Ghana, I remember being at a crusade in Ghana. There were about 6,000 people there. It was not not a crusade. It was the national convention. And the Sunday morning, that was my first national convention. It was in this big football field, a lot of dust going on, and probably about 100 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know how many people received the Holy Ghost that morning. But I went ahead, and I got off this big platform that that we had, went down, and I wrote... Uh, in the sand that day it didn't matter who was seeing that but I wrote there P-O-I-T-R-A-S and I said God I want you to notice something I put my name on the soil of this sand I am not leaving I'm not leaving this place until I hear you direct me to leave and uh, I don't want it to be so disturbing to you but I also said look devil I know that you're also noticing this so I <laughs> want you to know I'm not leaving here no matter what comes my way, I'm not leaving here until I hear the voice of God that tells me to go. Wow! So I think that evil does abound just about anywhere in the world. Uh, I've heard it said by like Billy Cole, for example, that uh, demons in Africa tend to be more submissive that they, that, that they can, uh, that you can bring them into submission. Uh, I try not to wrestle with the devil too much. And, um, but if it comes my way, we've got a, a battle to contend with. <laughs> so you
0: mentioned that uh, you had you know, trouble with your health at times. You felt like your health was under attack. Did that ever shake your faith?
1: Uh, wow. I'm sure that it did. Mm-hmm. But when you look back over the long haul... It doesn't seem like it did. That hmm. uh, I don't. I don't know that we judge our faith or the lack of faith, or anything like that, based on like a day. It's more like a, a lifetime. So I'm sure that there were times that shook my faith. One thing that I know uh, within marriage, assuming that he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing, because. If you don't find a good wife, well, obviously that's not a good thing. <laughs> but if you have a good wife, a faith-filled wife, then you can find that. Uh, not like in thirty thirty-six years of marriage, I can't remember a time where both my wife and I were down at the same time. Yeah. If I did feel, uh, you know, that attack, I did feel maybe a lack of faith. Then she's going to be saying something that's going to be faith building to me. Wow. Uh, but I'm sure that there was. Uh, one time recently in a small group meeting, somebody was like, well, uh, can you go ahead and explain uh, your lowest point this week? And I'm not really given to highs and lows. mm mm-hmm. uh, I'm not really given to moods. I'm. It's either a good mood or a bad mood. Not a, not a lot of variation going on. I usually tell people I don't have bad moods. I give them to other people. Uh, but yeah, I think that there would have to be. But as so I was talking to Brother Colby Cole just a few minutes ago about apostolic habits, you know, one of the apostolic habits would be how you go ahead and deal with your prayer life. And if you have an effective prayer life, which I hope that all of us do, but if we give ourselves, according to the scripture, to prayer and fasting, then one of the direct results of that would be increased faith. Uh, and that faith will continue to see you through. If we're looking at it from the aspect of, were there any days that I thought I should give up and come back to North America? Uh, yeah. But a few of those days, but mm-hmm. stuck it out. Wow. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. It sort of does. Um,
0: when, how'd you stick it out? Let me ask that. I mean, and it's probably simple answer. It's probably, uh, mm-hmm. but what, what can you tell people right now that maybe not, they're maybe not on the mission field, but you know, they, they're wondering how they're going to stick it out.
1: Well, number one, if I had to do it all over again, I would have liked to have known long ago that the will of God is as easy as finding and doing the next right step. So mm-hmm. what's the next right step for you? Uh, number two, uh, a solid a solid marriage. And also great relationships with other people. Maybe, well, there's no maybe about it. Like your pastor, uh, your mentors, those solid relationships allow for you to see clearly even when you don't feel like you're seeing clearly. Mm. Uh, Number three, like uh, an old patriarch of the Ghanaian church, when times were tough, he would say... Just remember, this too shall pass. Or there's a statement that Africans make: no condition is permanent. Hmm. And to realize, yeah, that it's if you're going through a struggle today, or dr- going through a struggle this week, or this semester, it's not. It's not permanent. And that uh, God will carry you through, and through prayer. And reading the Bible and uh, listening to the Word of God, listening to others, uh, you should be able to go ahead and make it and then also understand life itself, that uh, even with missionaries, sometimes missionaries stay too long. Sometimes missionaries don't stay long enough. Sometimes pastors stay too long. Sometimes they don't stay long enough. And having that discernment... uh, to know the difference or know uh, what should be happening and to realize that life itself is full of struggles uh, and the scripture is kind of replete with those type of examples and to realize uh, that as you serve God, there is, I mean, it's not a doctrine that we go ahead and throw in as the articles of faith of our, our church movement, but suffering happens. Yeah. It happened to the early apostles, it happened to the early preachers, and we shouldn't be surprised when uh, we're called upon uh, to suffer for the cause of the gospel. And um, I've dealt with some people in the past, missionaries and people in church work, and they'll say something like, oh, Brother Poitras, uh, I'm just not happy here. Uh I think that if this is God's will, you know, Jesus will want me to be happy. Well, you know, where, where are the scriptures on that? Mm-hmm. Because he didn't promise us that, that we'd always be happy. Yeah. So hopefully that answers the question a little bit. It does. I think
0: it does. Um, now, and I, there's 20 years in Africa. There's, there's so much you could talk about, but what's, what's probably the most Important thing to you that you want to share with people?
1: About my experience in Africa, hmm. Uh, I think one of the things is that it can come down to five particular words one, two, three, four, five. Uh, It can come down to no matter which translation, English translation of the Bible that you look at, whether King James Version or New King James or English Standard Version or New Living Translation. I mean, the list is so long. Uh, look at every one of them. You'll find the same, same five words, one, two, three, four, five. And uh, if you're trying to assess the vision that Jesus had for the world, and I know there's probably like five different scriptures that you could go to. I came to give life and give it more abundantly, for example. Or I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Or uh, I came to destroy the works of Satan, he said. Mm -hmm. So he described his purpose in a number of different ways, but I think that he also brought it down to five particular words, one, two, three, four, five, Uh, They say that if you, uh, you know, for those organizational leadership experts out there and graduates and students of organizational leadership programs, you should be able to go ahead and bring your your vision down uh, to something that's so simple that you can write it on a T-shirt front or back. You Mm -hmm. know, you can go ahead and pick. Uh, They say that you should be able to make a vision statement in 25 words or or less. And he could do that with five words, five very simple words. And uh, they're not, they're not big words. They're not, you know, compounded words or tough words. It was just so simple that when I look back over uh, the 28 years of missionary ministry and then uh, being here in North America and involved uh, with global missions, involved with uh the schools, and involved with uh, our local church. It's the, everything that we do, it's all wrapped up in the same five words. The very fact that you're doing a podcast today, a podcast episode, several of them today. You know, it's, there's a reason for that. It goes back to the same five words. As I went through this facility and school and the preschool, they're all being let out the time that I was here you know, they're doing that because of five words. When we go to church on Sunday, it's going to be because of five words. Uh, when we teach a Bible school, it's going to be because of five words. When we go ahead and clean the toilets in the men's bathroom, it's going to be because of the same five words, I will build my church. So I think that when I look back over the whole thing, yeah, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So no matter What comes my way? When I feel faith, when I don't feel faith, because I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. I call those things that are not as if they already are. The eye hath not seen, the ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But he has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, because the Spirit is searching even the deep things Mm. Uh, faith is still the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Uh, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it comes down to assurance that in the good days and the bad days, tough days and not so tough days, yeah, I will build my church, that he... Uh, has specifically said and promised that that would happen. I was thinking on my way here that to me, faith, which I know is a a very important subject in your podcast, and vision, it's almost, are they close cousins or are they uh, the opposite sides of the same coin? Yeah. Like is faith is vision, the ability to call those things, to envision those things, and even to know that when you go to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and you see that end vision and you start working your way back from that, that because he's going to build his church, uh, we can mark it down that that's going to happen. And in that final day, they're going to be there from every family, every tribe, every kindred, every language group, every nation, and uh, that's the end of the story, hmm. and we get to play along with the script. Hmm.
0: Man. wow, we've we've talked a lot. We talked a lot already about you. You said a lot about Africa and so many amazing stories. And I will build my church. Man, is there before we go? Is there anything that you? You want to encourage someone about, or um, any final words you have for any any person that might be listening to this?
1: Well, I think that every ind- individual needs to understand their purpose on the earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I look back over my life, I see some major elements of my life. I've always been involved in teaching. So Second Timothy chapter two verse two. The things that I've learned, go ahead and teach them to other people. And uh, then I also look at my life and, you know, start off with, uh, is there anything I can teach you? Uh, I want to be able to teach you. And then kind of moved into a phase where it was more of a mentoring stage. I've traveled the journey before you. Is there any way that I can go ahead and mentor you? Mm -hmm. And in the last few months, I've been thinking more in terms of encouragement, Uh, is there any way that I can encourage you? Yeah. And uh, if I were to be able to choose any character in the Bible to emulate that person, I'd want to be a Barnabas. So I just want to encourage you, Brother Dalton, to go ahead and keep pressing on, allow the Lord to use you. He wants to use you mightily. He wants to use everyone that listens to this podcast episode and uh, believing for great things, Uh, for your future. I appreciate that. Uh, Would you pray for us? Lord Jesus, we praise your name today. We want to pray for every listener of this podcast episode. We're asking, O Lord, that your will would be done. I pray that you would touch Brother Dalton Dismore today, that you would use him for your glory and honor. Help us, O God, to be an extension of your kingdom and work together to build your church not only in our city or in our state or our country or our province, but around the world. I pray, oh God, your blessings upon us. I pray that even at the beginning of this year or whenever this podcast episode will be aired, that you continue to increase our faith. Use this for your glory and honor, and we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a great privilege. Appreciate you very much.